Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Dave Fox to discuss both Ed 209 and the death of Dick Jones from Robocop. Admiral, we're in position. Hello, Dave. Hello, Eric. You're right. I am. Greetings, citizens. <laughs> I forgot. You you know, like, I'm I'm watching this. I don't I don't, I don't want to spoil too many things here, but I thought that we were friends. And you're asking me to watch RoboCop. And if this is some kind of payback for the American Revolution, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. It was it was those guys idea. I, uh, I, I I'm just wondering why you picked this one for me. Well, I, I think your memory is failing you there, Dave, because when we were talking off air after Empire Strikes Back, uh, I said, well, next time, because that was quite a glowing one, wasn't it? The asteroid scene. Um, Absolutely. And uh, we were both saying about, you know, basically we're two grumpy old men. And I said, all right, next time you're on the show, I'll have to choose something that's not quite so glowing. Um, okay. Hence uh, what we're talking about today. I like I like how not so glowing is uh, <laughs> translates right into what we're talking about today. I do remember that now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes me feel that makes me feel better. I was I was a little offended, but I'm okay now. <laughs> Don't worry. We're going to have you back for much more sterling ones. But uh, so uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk Officer Murphy here. Um, your background with the uh, with, with the guy. I mean, did you see it when it first came out the cinema, or were you a bit too young? I was a little young, and I I do remember on, on on another podcast that we used to do, we did we would review '80s movies, and we did RoboCop, and I never really was a fan of this kind of science fiction in general. I did not see it in theaters. Um, I remember see, because it became a thing, especially for like preteen or teenage boys. Like it was like you almost had to watch movies like this and talk about them at school to make it seem like you were i don't know manly or something it, like it, it, it yeah it's like a rite of passage isn't it with certain things yes it made you macho that you watched predator and maybe you weren't supposed to and you watched robocop and then you would go to school and how about when this happened now and that one happened? you know so it was one of those kind of things where like i probably was peer pressured into watching it just so i can say yeah i had seen it mm, yeah <laughs> what about you uh, well, I'm, I, I'm, you know, a bit older than you. So I, I, I was working in the cinema, so I showed it. Um, and it, and it was big. It was a huge hit. Uh, I, I, I remember the crowds going around the block cause this is in the days before you could pre-book tickets. And, right. um, you know, we used to go out on the roof, the projection box roof and just watch the crowd, you know, snaking around the building, you know, and, right. uh, this was definitely one of those films. Um, and I'm, I'm like you, I mean, yeah, um, Paul Verhoeven, um, not a fan of his uh, style of direction, um, the tone to his films. Um, yes, it's very in your. It's very. It's there's no the, the word subtle 
does never come up in any of this stuff. It's all in your face and over the top. But saying that, I remember watching, I know we're going to talk about this specific science fiction or this special effects scene. I remember watching it again as an, an adult and having a, a different take on it and feeling uh, feeling like I, I got something that I didn't when I was little because of the, there was this message kind of about um, advertising and and product placement and and just his take on where he thought our culture was going with this this hyper violence mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff and th- there is a message in there that I kind of I kind of respect now I didn't get that when I was young and I'm not sitting here saying this guy is like some kind of artiste or anything like that but I, I got to give him a little bit of credit for that his other movies are just god awful though uh yeah um yeah subtle is is not a word that I, I i defy anyone to um go and look at any review of his film and uh and and find the word subtle in it um no. you're right yeah I, I, yeah yeah it was a comment um on the way that he saw america was going but it was sledgehammered so <laughs> it, it it was just driven home so you know crassly wasn't it yes crass and sledgehammer go really well with his style yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 could be middle names for him, you know, <laughs> um, but not subtle. He, he's not Paul Subtle Verhoeven. No, 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 no. All right. Even okay. the even the deaths in these. I remember. I mean, there was special effects, and then there was these R-rated movies that I remember even as a young person being kind of startled. We're going to talk about this scene, the way people die, and the amount of blood and the amount of carnage in in a movie like this was increased more than other things that have been happening in the eighties, mm. I think. So like that, that just right there lends to his style of filmmaking. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it was OTT, wasn't it? And, and, you know, a, a lot of the defense for it was people saying, Oh, but it's a comedy, it, it, you know, it's black humor and you're not meant to take it seriously, but you look at starship troopers, you look at flesh and blood and other films that you've made that, yeah, yeah. It is ultra violence all the way through, you know, and it's just, mm. I don't know. It's just the the tone of it. I, I I get that they're trying to yeah you know it's got black humor, but it's just it's just got a nastiness to it. You know, it's just gratuitously violent. You know, that I didn't see the point in it. You know, right? Yes, there's an edge to it that is kind of off putting. Even if you are in for the black humor, when something like this happens, it's like ah, you know, that was way over the top and not necessary, and it kind of takes away from any message. I mean, maybe to him, that's part of the message. Mm, mm, mm. All I don't right. Know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. The The guy seems like he, he's probably a pretty interesting guy. Um, and that might have something to do with it. Like he, he insisted maybe that these were as gratuitous as they are because that's what he sees happening. I don't know. I don't know. I've 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 seen um, um, articles about him, and it said an, an awful lot of his views of the world stems from him being a a child of World War Two and of the mm-hmm. violence that he saw during World War Two. And I don't know. Maybe this is a cathartic thing for him to express, you know, violence in this way. I don't know. Um, yeah, but possibly. Yeah, it's just it's science fiction i watch it because it's science fiction and i love science fiction it's got phil Tippett doing you know stop motion work i'll watch it for that but yeah i I don't like any film where at the end i want to have a shower or i've got a nasty taste in my mouth you know right so (laughs) 
Having said that, let's go ahead uh, and, and get into this clip. Um, so let's go. Dr. McNamara. We'll need an arrest subject. Mr. Kenny. Yes, sir. Would you come up and give us a hand, please? Yes, sir. Mr. Kenny is going to help us simulate a typical arrest and disarming procedure. Mr. Kenny, use your gun in a threatening manner. Point it at Ed 209. Yes, sir. Put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You now have 15 seconds to comply. You are in direct violation of Penal Section 9. You now have 5 seconds to comply. Right, so the sequence uh, starts where Dick Jones is in the boardroom there and um, he, he reveals... Well, now... The other guy, he calls him ED-209, but then lots of other people call this thing Ed-209, you know? Right. I don't understand. I didn't notice it. Yeah, Does yeah, Does ED yeah. stand for something? Uh, I don't know. I, di- I, di- I didn't bother to check. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 never... Like, usually when they had announced the name of something, if it was ED, they would describe what ED stands for, but they never do that, no, ever. no. It's it's a very Star Warsy um, name, isn't it? You know, it is. And even the way it's revealed from behind those doors, it's like Darth Maul in Episode One. Like, you know, we're gonna reveal this stuff, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my goodness, look at how great that thing is." I so, never, I, I never thought of that, but yeah, that is like the Darth Maul reveal, isn't it? I think George Lucas is ripping off Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, no 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 <laughs> first of all what is the deal when he's talking to those people what is the purpose of that wall of tvs in the background of that scene that fascinated me right off the bat before the thing even comes in the room he's standing there and it's just old picture tube tvs a whole wall of them and most of them just have the logo of the company but then some of them have jets flying yeah. on them and tanks and then one of them just flashes the word energy and one of them flashes the word Marines and space. Is that that's because they're like military subcontractors? Is that yeah, what I think that's what it is. It, 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 I, I think when they're all turned on, it's showing all the products, you know, that uh, OCP make. You know, it, it, it's just a it's, it's a bit of a wank fest, isn't it? It's like, oh, look how <laughs> fantastic we are, you know. It is. There's, there's got to be 30 TVs back there, and they have nothing on them. Like, at what point are they in a boardroom meeting, and something needs to be on all 30 of those TVs that everyone's looking at? The TVs fascinate me. <laughs> Forget the RoboCop and the thing and the Ed and the doodad. This is amazing. These TVs that they're like, we're, this is going to be, this is what boardrooms are going to be like. We're going to have wall to wall TVs so people can watch our logo on them over and over again. It's mad, isn't it? 
Oh, I don't know. My favorite part of the movie. It's my favorite part of the movie so far. I like the the, the idea of that they've sneakily snuck Ed 209 up behind those doors without any of the board knowing. It's like, shh, 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 get it in, get it in. And, <laughs> yeah. you, and you've got the scientists there who operate him, and they're all like, they're hiding behind the door. <laughs> you know, won't they be surprised? Yeah, but, you get, like they wouldn't hear that thing clomping <laughs> up the hallway. <laughs> What's going on out there? Nothing. Yeah. Just watch the TVs. Just keep your eyes on the TVs. There's nothing going on out there. It's Wizard of Oz shit. There you go. That's what the TVs are for. It's a distraction. They're all sat there thinking, why are there so many TVs? And while they're thinking that, they're bringing in Ed 209 up the back door. I think that's it. There you go. We answered okay. it, didn't we? Case solved. Indeed. Anyway, the door's open and he's standing there. That's the full size one. Um, yes. Now, what do you reckon on him as a design, as a as a robot? Well, I, it's it's actually not that bad, but it, so I, my question for you is is when the thing is not moving, that's really there, right? Yes, yes. This first okay. time you see him, it's there. Uh, that's the full size one. We cut away to the board, see their reaction, and when you cut then back, that's the stop motion one. Okay, and that's pretty flawless. They that they, they match almost uh, identically, I think. You know, they do. They're the same size in the room. It's not like when it's the practical thing, it's one size and then they flip back and it's it's now shorter or taller. No, no, they no. They do a good job with it. Yeah. I mean, you've got we're, we're coming to this in behind the scenes, but you've got the full size prop, which was on on set with all the actors. Anytime it did any part of moving, that's the stop motion version, you know, which was right. ooh, a foot high, something like that. Um um, when they switch him on and he comes into the room, um, that's obviously stop motion. Um, and it's done in a very traditional way, uh, which has been done for decades and decades and decades. What they did was, and they kept it very simple, uh, you've got a camera um, just in front of the stop motion model. Uh, behind the the model, you've got a small cinema screen. And behind that, you've got a projector projecting the live action footage. And then what they did was frame by frame, they animated the uh, the stop motion Ed 209. And at the same same time, advanced the 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 film image one frame as well. That's how they do that. Are you serious? I assume because I don't know, obviously, that they did the stop motion in front of a green screen and then just overlaid the two things they're actually filming that against yeah. the movie being projected behind it yes yes That's crazy it's crazy but it's very simple because all you need is a cameraman and an animator that's all you need you only need two people to do it that way you know uh, so when you're watching the the thing move and dick jones is kind of standing there staring at it or people are moving around you're watching a a film of a film at that point, not 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 every time. Later on, you know, where um, Robocop goes back and Ed 209, he says, you know, I'd like to meet a friend. That's compositing. But in this, whenever you've got Ed, to Ed 209 near the camera and it happens a lot, if you go back and watch it, Ed 209 is right by the camera and beyond him is, you know, the actors and the live action. That is a cinema screen. And yes, they are filming a film. That's crazy. I never thought that was happening in any of that stuff. Even back as far as like Jason and the Argonauts and stuff like that, that's how they did that? No, that's different. Um, Jason and the Argonauts, Ray Harryhausen didn't 
do it that way. He he he, he filmed the uh, the the stop motion uh, creatures um, completely separately, and then they were composited into the live action frame. Okay, that's a completely different process, which takes absolutely forever and is really quite expensive. Um, yeah. This way is cheap and it's quick, you know. And it does show. I mean, I, I, I watched it for the show on on Blu-ray on our big uh, TV here, and the lighting doesn't match, you know, um, be, because you're totally filming now. you're filming a model in front of a cinema screen, and you know the the process the process film that's being projected, the lighting is different to what was actually in the studio when they're doing the model, you know. Yeah. And the and the and the people that are moving around it have a graininess to them. Because, like, like I said, I'm just finding out they're not being filmed. It's a picture of them being filmed. That's right. We'll 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 come back up to it in in behind the scenes when I've got my notes for that. But yeah, it, many times the the screen is very very small, um, wow. and and therefore the image is not that very good quality. You know, that, I had no idea. I had no idea that's what was happening. To answer your question, I think that the thing the thing's not bad looking, but I, I mean, you're a model maker. To me, I've seen some of your work. To me, you can do far better than this with what you have at your disposal. And this is a major motion picture. The The whole top of it looks like the uh, texture of like a speaker. Mm. Like a car, like the speakers that you have in your car. It's like that kind of like... Um, the kind of canvasy looking material. So the whole yeah. dome of it looks like a speaker and they showed that close up of the feet and all the wires are sticking out and stuff like that. I mean, I like RoboCop, the look of RoboCop himself, I think is, is pretty neat. Like, I think they did a pretty good job with that. This thing looks very messy compared to RoboCop. RoboCop looks like they spent a lot of time on it. This thing looks like, I mean, we talked about them walking down the hall. Like, they were putting the finishing touches on this thing right outside the door. Like, quick, we got to put this, you know, <laughs> tape tape that up to that. Wait, just just get it together. You know, like, it, it really, I don't mind it so much, but it's next to RoboCop. I think it makes it look, it makes it look more rudimentary. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't know whether, you know, design-wise, it was meant to, you know, the idea is if we have it look like this, it's intimidating, you know, I mean, the, the, the dome that you're talking about there and the color scheme, it always reminds me of a, a killer whale, you know, the, whale, uh, that, 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 the dome or, or a porpoise head. Um, yeah, actually that. Yeah, but apparently Paul Verhoeven, he didn't he didn't want the robot to have eyes. Um, so maybe this mesh thing on the top is, you know, just like to infer that maybe, you know, the eyes are in there or something. I don't know. He, um, he didn't want it to have eyes, but he wanted it to roar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so stupid. It's growling. It's growling and roaring like the MGM lion. But we can't put eyes on it. No. No. And it's got a mouth. I mean, it's not meant to be a mouth, but there's a radiator that looks like a mouth. I mean, if you're going to disable this thing, just shoot it in the radiator, which is right at the very front. It's got a big gaping hole right in the middle of it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so, yeah, yeah, he goes into the room. We have a, a mix of this rear projection stuff and the full uh, the full size uh, one that's on set. And um, uh, Mr. Kinney is told to point a gun at uh, Ed 209. Um, <laughs> and, and then we get the, uh, the the voice start up this. Please put down your weapon 
you have 30 seconds to comply, blah, blah, blah. We'll come into this on behind the scenes as to just who that is and why it sounds like it does. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't know there was a specific uh, yeah. thing going on there. Yeah. Ditto the roar as well. Uh, we'll come on to that as well. That's, I don't know, are, are they thinking that psychologically this will st- uh, scare criminals if, as he advances, he roars at them? Yeah, because because the enormous gun guns aren't good enough. <laughs> it has to roar. The the roar really really bothers me on lots of levels because it it really is unnecessary because of what I just said. Like it, it it's that voice alone is intimidating. Mm. The guns certainly. The size of it, yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you'd think any criminal really that came up against this thing, all you have to do is kind of like briskly walk behind it it's not going to turn around fast enough to get you <laughs> like there are a lot of limitations to this thing just because of the size and and a major one i know we're going to get to but um yeah, like it doesn't like even though it's pretty impressive and intimidating i think it would kind of be easy to get around really yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's slow. You only have, it's like, like the whole Dalek thing, isn't it? You only have to go up some stairs and, and you're away from him. Sure. Or just stand behind it. <laughs> just just walk around behind it and it'll just keep turning very slowly and you just keep turning very slowly. <laughs> the only way it would get, could possibly get you if you're in the middle of nothing. <laughs> in the middle of a football stadium or something. Yes. And by the time you're running away, it has had time to turn around and then shoot you. <laughs> Otherwise, this thing's kind of stupid. I mean, really. It is. I love that. I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say, it's... It's trying to be clever with the humor and the satirical side, but it's it's a bubblegum film, isn't it? It's a turn-your-brain-off film. You're not supposed to think too much. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Um, That's that's not happening at all. You're right. No, the thought that occurred to me when, you know, he opens fire on the guy... Why? Why has he got live ammunition when it's a boardroom demonstration? <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> why is he loaded? Oh, that makes no sense. I love when they when the, when he gives Mister Kinney the gun. He's like all excited. First of all, he's like, "I get to play along." Yeah. yeah. Okay, buddy. And then it then it like goes active and it's gonna kill him. All the executives get scared. And I watched it twice because one guy. I'm watching these people. I love watching extras in movies. <laughs> Because that's that to me is some of the gems that like that like you never see. But I'm like I don't I don't care about Mr. Kinney. I'm looking at fourth guy down the left. Mm. One one guy everyone's cowering. One guy picks up a tube like for blueprints mm-hmm. and uses it like he's going to use it as a weapon. <laughs> oh really? This guy. Yeah, he picks up this tube and he's like he's ready. He's ready for bear. This guy, you know, he's going to defend himself with a cardboard with tube. With a cardboard tube. I've got to go back and look that. Uh, look at that. I've never spotted him before. I love that guy. They <laughs> also describe it, like when Dick Jones describes it, as a self-sufficient law enforcement robot. <laughs> Yet it needs a team of people in lab coats <laughs> with a rolling podium to control it. How is it self-sufficient if there's four dudes in lab coats and a rolling podium to control it? That's not self-sufficient. That's oh, a remote control. Now, that's Dick Jones being a dick, isn't it? You know, he, he, <laughs> he's just trying to sell it, you know. <laughs> anyway, he opens fire. And I remember when this film came out uh, in, in this country, it was an 18 certificate. OK, so mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's the highest certificate we've got here, apart from right. porn. 
um, 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 which is never shown in, in regular cinemas anyway. So 18 is the highest you can go. And I remember reading at the time in reviews that it had been trimmed. Kinney getting it had been trimmed because it was rather yeah. excessive. And I was quite surprised when I got it on Blu-ray. And, uh, and yeah, that, that gun just keeps going on and on and on. And it's back to what we were saying earlier. It's not really necessary, is it? No, once he's dead, he's dead. But then it's it's like it's almost like you what you just alluded to. It be, it goes from being an R-rated movie to a sort of pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have I don't know if this if this term has made it to England or maybe it came from England. The movies like Saw and Hostel, people call that torture porn. Yeah, um, this is like almost just like just action porn at this mm-hmm. point. Because it doesn't need to happen. Like, he's dead. He ends up being shot over and over again, and he ruins that that model that is there for some reason. He ends up jacked up on that model, and, and it just keeps going and going. The second it malfunctions, the crack squad of scientists, their first course of action is to open the lid of the console and start ripping shit out. <laughs> That's a good support team, isn't it? Like That's their IT department. The second it goes wrong, they're like, I don't know, just start ripping wires out. There's no, like the guy, the second it starts, it says that, you see the guy lift the lid of the thing and start disassembling that podium. And Hasn't they're, he they're just, just got an off switch? You, know? <laughs> you would think so. It's certainly not self-sufficient if you need five people to run it. And they're, and all they're doing is trying to yank out cords. I love it. Yeah, they just a, need a big red button that you punch. That's what you need, absolutely. a big red button. Every, everything but, has it, – it probably has an off switch probably on the back of it. Just yeah, go around the back yeah. of it. That's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't mind it so much. I mean, I get it, and, and yeah, he's stuck, and he's shooting the guy. You didn't need to see so many squibs going off. You could just have a shot of Eto nine firing, and you didn't need to see the guy, you know? Yeah. That the gun is just jammed on firing. You didn't have to keep cutting back – when you're having squib after squib after squib over and over again, you know. Yeah, they they, they used their budget on squibs because that was that was just man, that was a lot of paint. Certainly was, wasn't it, poor guy? Right. So they they, they power him down. I, I guess you, you you notice the noise as he powers down. Yes, the Millennium Falcon stalling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, now, um, did they have to get permission to do this? Because this was this isn't a Fox film, is it? I don't think that's a Fox film. You know what? Uh, no, it was Orion, which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. So where did 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 they like nick that or what? I don't know. I was. I didn't even think. I mean, I, the sound is very noticeable. That could be one of two things. If I'm, I certainly my answer is I don't know. But <laughs> it could be one of those things where like it's just a a stock sound effect that Lucas used, and maybe it's available to everybody, or they just didn't care. I mean, this is like back in the days when like Vanilla Ice was just stealing Queen songs and becoming yeah, a pop star. True. So true. like people people didn't care as much back then, and maybe it just got you know it flew under the radar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We cut back to the full size one who's standing there. And that's just the the, the ridiculous amount of white smoke pouring out of those uh, those gun barrels. Yeah, it's great. See, that's that's, like I I don't mind that. That's funny. Far away. (laughs) It's far away to it. It's really noticing. It's like on the other side of the table and all you see is smoke. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't mind that. That's like something out of Looney Tunes or something like that. (laughs) It is. Okay, that's that sequence. Uh, with the big guy. So we, we, we got to fast forward um, 
almost to the, towards the end there and uh robocop he's he's trying to arrest dick jones this whole directive four thing comes in and in comes ed 209 and, and that's why i was saying earlier that's that is a composited shot where you've got the live action um dick jones with ed 209 and and that's pretty poor yes yeah, this this use of him doesn't seem to match up as well as the other. Um, not that the other was great. This one just looks even great. Like when you see RoboCop, it's, maybe it's because it's RoboCop. The other thing was humans and the machine, and you're certainly not going to equate them. But now you have your best-looking machine with your second-best-looking machine, and the gap between them becomes very evident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, it's the whole, you know, stop motion at the front with Robocop at the back on the cinema screen. So still got that graininess, still not looking too good when they get actually into a physical fight. And you've got, you know, Peter Weller and he's like, you know, manhandling him and holding the gun arm and stuff like that. That's fine. When it's when it's a real fight, that's fine. It's not so great when the stop motion comes back in again, you know. Yeah, it's really like when it's the full-size thing, and like you said, he turns the one gun into the other gun. If that's a full-size thing, then it's practical and practical. It's really when it has to move too much Mm. that it really gives it away. When in any of those, there's a, I think there is a shot where it is the model moving. When it's the model moving, and it looks like he does interact with RoboCop once when it's. Uh, like a like a faraway shot is that a model of robocop as well yes yeah it is yeah okay so yeah they had more than one um subject for uh stop motion and we're going to come up to that at the very end of this show um, okay. so yeah um yeah they have their battle um robocop flees and goes down the stairs and then we the have fight, the, the fight is dull i mean really dull because it really just consists of robocop flying backwards through things mm. it happens like three times yeah he he shoots he flies backwards through a glass a glass window shoots backwards through a glass window it it's mm. happens like over and over again like it's very a dull fight and then like you said the stairs now what do you what do you make of this it's ridiculous it's it, because robocop himself can barely walk down the stairs <laughs> It's fun to watch Peter Weller try to walk down the stairs without, like, bending his legs too much. <laughs> I bet he fell, too. Um, the The foot comes out, and it's looking for footing. Um, there's a lot more growling and roaring. This whole thing is a nightmare. Mm. Um, do you mean the actual it tumbling? No, his tentative attempts to put his toes onto the steps and everything to put his toes on the step yeah <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think what's going on here is phil tippett you know uh, of course is uh, a massive fan of ray harryhausen and ray harryhausen in all his creations tried to uh, and did very successfully give them personality you know uh, through physical movement and i think maybe this is phil tippett trying to you know try and inject a bit of character into ed 209 but it's just silly and it goes on forever i was watching Mm. it and i'm thinking you're going to cut soon you're going to cut soon but he he does like three or four attempts of trying to put that foot down and it's like oh no cut away this is silly you know and robocop's just sitting at the bottom of the stairs looking at it yeah he could be getting away couldn't he yeah unless he's trying to lure it down this like maybe robocop knows that it can't walk downstairs and he's trying to lure it down 
At that point, it could shoot him again. Yeah. But it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he could just leave it. I mean, what, what's Ed 209 going to do? He can't go out the building to, you know, catch him. He, how does he get downstairs, Ed 209, you know? There's how not does a, he get... There's yeah, not how a lift big enough, to, you know? Yeah, so how, how does he get up to that boardroom? I mean, did they? there's no way that thing fits in an elevator. Maybe and even if it did, the, the, the weight capacity would probably disable the elevator. Maybe there's an Ed 209-shaped lift, you know, that was specially made into incorporated into the building. That has to be the answer because there's no other way it would even get up there. And maybe the fact that it can't walk down the stairs, maybe this is what the guys in the lab coats and the, the handlers were for, like this kind of stuff. Like they had, they were on their lunch break or something, and if they had been there, he'd be able to know that I can't walk downstairs. But it, the, I see what you're saying about that. Like he does give it kind of care. It's almost like it's a baby. Mm. And it does. It's like it's new, and it doesn't know what it can do, and it's it's willing to try it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There is a little bit of there is a little bit of personification in the robot at that point because he almost feels sorry for it. Yeah. Did you again when he's having his little hissy fit when he's fallen down the stairs? Did you recognize the sound there, the noise that he's making? That sounded just like pig squealing to me. I, you know, I thought it, it was. It reminded me an awful lot of uh, the aliens in Aliens when they get shot. Uh, they uh, would let, yeah. let, let out a squeal. I don't know if it is, but it sounds an awful lot like it to me. Yeah, you're right. When it's on its back, that that's probably the most embarrassing part. Just the tumble down the stairs is bad because now that's they have the, the model and you can tell somebody has just let it go and quickly move their hands. <laughs> And it rolls. It does like a really nice somersault. And then the kicking and the screaming does sound like, yeah, it does sound like the aliens or like the face huggers when they're when they're moving around a room yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to look yeah, into just, this. It, it might be. I mean, that might be more stock sound effects. Like, it, it is, I don't know what the animals are. The, the roar sounds like a lion. There's a growl. And this thing definitely sounds like pigs to me. So I know they're just taking any any kind of animalistic sound effect they can put with this. And the pig thing was is more personification. Like, this is what it sounds like mm. when it's in trouble. Mm. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, we'll fast forward in a bit further through the film. We see Ed 209 one last time, which is when Robocop returns at the very end. And uh, he gets blown apart, thankfully. <laughs> But uh, again, we then get him staggering around on two legs, just his legs staggering mm -hmm. around. Um, this again, reminds me of the uh, like the scout walkers in um, Empire Strikes Back. Like, doesn't that happen in that scene? The the top gets blown off and the two legs keep going. No, isn't that? I, I, aren't you thinking of the one where it, it's on the logs and it does that wobbly little walk thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. that. Yeah, that's it. Does remind me of that. <laughs> See, it's, it's interesting you say that because, of course, it's Phil Tippett. He, he, you know, he did, he did the Walkers, um, and he did this, and you, the two just don't compare, do they? No, not, a, not, a, <laughs> not at all. Well, it's like you said, it was the those other movies were a labor of love and they put the time in and maybe they just didn't with this. Maybe it was the director. Maybe it was the budget. Maybe it was the studio. They were on a deadline and had to get it out for the summer of 1987. Whatever their deal was, they did not put the time in that was taken in other movies. And it's, it's, it's very apparent. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, well, so um, again, um, you, you know what you're saying there about maybe it's time, maybe it's budget. Um, that brings us nicely to uh, our, our last effect sequence that we're talking about today, which is the demise of uh, Dick Jones. I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. I want a chopper, now! We will walk to the roof, very calmly. I will board the chopper with my hostage. Anybody tries to stop me? The old geezer gets it. Dick, you're fired! Thank you. I'm staggered watching this for this show that, um, you know, it's 30 years now that Robocop came out. Um, 30 years on, I'm still staggered that they actually were happy enough with this effect to uh, let this go out. Yeah, it, even by standards of many years before that, this would have not probably gone out. I mean, this this would have bad, been bad in any era. It's not like you would have seen this in some movie from like a like a, you know, science fiction or horror movie from the 50s. And they would have thought it was good. This would have never been good. I, 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 I don't I, I, <laughs> I'm str I'm struggling to tr try and think of words to express my bewilderment at it i mean i right let's start with the arms shall we yes. these arms that are patently about six foot long each they're a bit like graham chapman in uh, monty python and the meaning of life where he's doing that bizarre thing where he's in the wig and the stilettos oh yeah. no it's terry jones isn't it's he terry he's got jones. the very long arms yes and the elephant mask and, and that's right about, wobbling in, yeah and they're talking about the fish the fish now that's fine that's monty python and that's when they went really 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 surreal um, this, as we've been saying, is is meant to be a tough, gritty, satire, action, science fiction thriller. And then you've got this bizarro guy falling away from the camera with these ginormous arms. Yeah, it the arms never on the model would have been in proportion. It's not like it was the angle that they shot it in. I mean, you have that thing disproportional from the beginning. Um it's it's almost like they they the Verhoeven wanted that shot in the movie and damned if it wasn't going to be in there no matter what it looked like like that for him was important i don't like the guy is an enigma hmm. and at 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 some point that was important to him that that shot be in there and and the guys on i mean there are professional people. You said Phil Tippett and, and, you know, masters of the craft are working on this movie, whether it turned out great all the time or not. Everyone there had to have, it had to have been shaking their heads at what was going to be seen on a big screen in front of millions of people and just been blown away by how bad it is. It's, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm likening this to Verhoeven being almost Tommy Wiseau ish where like, and I could be wrong. I mean, this is just my speculation, but like this was his vision. This was happening no matter how bad it was. There must have been people that were in his ear going, Paul, this kind of this. We can't do this, man. We can't. It's just it's bad, Paul. And he's no, we're doing it. 
it would look great in camera. <laughs> yeah. Like he thought the camera was just going to like make that look realistic. There's nothing, there's nothing redeeming about it, but by the same token, it's become campy enough and, and a, and a section of this movie that I think people look forward to that when they're sitting down to watch RoboCop, they know it's coming. And if it's a, if it's a couple guys, you know, like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. And it might be elbowing each other like like, oh, that that shot's coming up. Oh, it's going to be so bad. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. It's it's now one of the parts of the movie that you can't wait to see because it's so awful. Yeah, it it, it, I, it might be the same with the guy earlier in the film, you know, the, the guy that gets uh, dumped in the sludge. Yeah. That, that eats him away. Yeah, it, it might be that. What I was thinking, though, is maybe it was a case of a reason. The only reason I can think that maybe the arms are that long is that this shot is actually longer. And originally what was going to happen was he was going to be hanging by his fingertips. So you would have a forced perspective view down, almost a Hitchcockian vertigo look down at Dick Jones hanging on the windowsill. So his arms do appear very long and then he falls away. But then when the live action shot was done and, uh, you know, he falls backwards through the window, they're like, oh, we can't do it that way. He's obviously not hanging onto the windowsill. So they cut the scene halfway through and there he is tumbling away. So, I mean, that would make sense. I don't know. Who knows if that's true? <laughs> but what, what your your explanation is at least an explanation, because otherwise there is none. So you're saying like that would have been like the arms would have been long just because of a uh, almost a like an focus. Op- yeah, it's an, a focus thing. An um, optical illusion ish kind of thing in the shot. Yeah. Sometimes um, in special effects, you actually make a model where the proportions are, you know, grossly exaggerated or truncated because then by the time you get a certain lens on the camera, when you look through it, it actually looks fine. A a very famous uh, uh, um, example of that is in Aliens. Uh, Sorry, Alien at the end when Ripley's on the Narcissus uh, escape ship. When you see the 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 shot of the nose of the Narcissus and she's there, um, um, you can see her in the uh, uh, cockpit windows. That's actually uh, quite a large front model of the Narcissus. And they've got um, um, uh, a TV monitor behind the, the, the camera filming you know, uh, showing footage. But because they had to get the focus all right, they actually did a version. It was called the Miss Piggy version, okay, Mm -hmm. where the front of the Narcissus is much, much wider and fatter than uh, and squatter than it actually is. But when it's actually uh, filmed, it looked absolutely fine. And and that was done to keep all the the focus in place. So it could be something very similar to this. Okay, that makes that makes sense from. uh, So so something is distorted intentionally to compensate for what it's going to look like on yeah, film. Yeah, because then it registers through the lens. It actually looks normal, you see. Okay. So th- that's the – I might be very be, be being very, very kind on the people here, but that's the only explanation that I can think of that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, because then – I mean, we've talked about there maybe being a time crunch, them not spending as much time on this as you would or should – on mm. on some effects, uh, maybe even a budget crunch. If they've used that some of their budget to make that, and then they decide to change the shot, this is not the kind of movie where they're going to scrap and 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 hold on and wait and build a proper thing. They're going to use the thing they already have. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, well, well, whatever the reason, whatever the explanation, it's bloody awful. And, um, you know, I said at the top of the show, you know, uh, you wanted a, a, an effect next time that wasn't as stellar as uh, the asteroid scene. So this is what you got. So here <laughs> it is. Okay. So I, this is this is my uh, pen, penance for yeah, uh, the asteroid yeah. scene. Be careful what you ask for, Dave. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, I don't... I don't think we can really say much more. Just, you know, just look at it for yourself, folks. And <laughs> Yeah, I, I encourage anyone that hasn't seen it in a while to watch it. I guarantee you, unless unless you really, really RoboCop is your thing and we're being offensive to you. If you're if you're a person that enjoys practical effects, good or bad, and you haven't seen this in a while, just go watch this one clip on YouTube. You're gonna smile at least. Mm. If not, if not, get a real laugh. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, we're going to move on to behind the scenes. Let's quickly move on, shall we? Absolutely. Um, earlier in the show, we were talking about how Ed 209, um, uh, Paul Verhoeven didn't want to have any eyes on it, didn't we? Yes. Um, he wanted to look, it to look really hard and mean, um, so eyes were out. But as you were saying, an animal growl is in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, now that I'm thinking about this. I'm I'm liking RoboCop more and more by the second. So <laughs> I think I think that was your secret plan. Oh, I think it was. Yeah. I, yeah. I think you're a distant nephew. Is is someone in your family named Verhoeven? Do you have any any Germans? I, I, no, he's Dutch. Oh, he's uh, Dutch. Yeah, he's Dutch. There's no Dutch in my family. Not that I know of. Yeah, check your family tree. I think there's something going on here. <laughs> I'm an apologist. You are. And I've been rumbled. Oh, dear. Uh, right. Uh, OK. Um, the, the, the stop motion model uh, was eight inches tall. Um, um, the, the main full size one was completely made in plastic. There, were, there, there wasn't any metal in it at all, apart from the screws that were holding the uh, wooden underframe together. Do they, do they just do stuff like that just for um it probably is cost effective, but also for moving it. If that thing had any metal on it, it would have been like thousands of pounds, right? Yeah, well, th th this this weighed three hundred pounds all told, and and most of that is the wooden underframe. Okay. Um, but but it was vac form plastic, which is very thin, hollow plastic. So what they would have done is they would have they would have sculpted each each part individually, and then take a mold off of that, and then and then produce it in vac form plastic. Uh, the nearest analogy I can tell you about that is uh, if you think of stormtrooper armor, you've seen stormtroopers at various conventions. You know the plastic. Yes. Uh, a lot of the storm Stormtroopers wear that's vac form plastic, very thin but very uh, uh, strong and durable plastic. Okay, and it really wasn't doing much other than standing there, so it wasn't like it was gonna. Well, I guess the the one that rolled down the steps is probably the model, but like it really was just kind of like a statue, basically. It was a statue. It 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 was fully articulated apparently and fully posable, but the only time that you really actually did see it move is when um, it turns its head. At the approach of Ro Robocop's car uh, right. here at the end of the film, so they went to all this trouble of making the arms poseable and 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 the body swivelable and all like this, and uh, and they didn't use it again. That could be a time factor, you know. Right, and the and the case of it turning is just it's not it's not a mechanism or anything, right? Yeah, it, it's just a couple of guys turning it. You've got a couple of grunts standing behind it. Yeah, yeah. All right. It makes I mean, all that stuff makes sense. It's just 
I don't know. Like there, I, I really, there must be documentaries and, and stuff about the making of RoboCop. And I wonder what kind of time and budgetary constraints they were under. Mm. Cause oh. some of these things could have been, I mean, I don't like RoboCop in general. I, I'm, I'm not a science fiction person really. So this is not my cup of tea, but this could have been, this could have been really better done. Well, we've said before, it's Phil Tippett. Phil Tippett, you know, was part of the stop motion crew on, you know, The Empire Strikes Back. And you see the walkers, you see the probe droid, you know, um, it looks fantastic. And here it's just, oh, it's winceable, isn't it? That's a good word. Mm, that yeah. should have been in the in the reviews, like, it's you know, winceable. <laughs> USA Today says winceable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, because of the way uh, the sequences were designed, um, the live action Ed 209 was always in his power down mode, you know, when he's dropped his arms down to the side and the shoulder pads have come down. Right. Um, so the stop motion one always had to come out of that pose and then turn back into it when it was finished moving. Just because that was the way, like, the, they couldn't have it stay in the power to, and then it flipped to the statue and now people are like, hey, what happened? I'm thinking again, it's a time thing. If it was always in the power down thing, the 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 stop motion guys didn't have to keep referring to the live action footage. What at what point was his left arm in when you finished filming? You know, if it, whenever they finished, he went down into the power down version, then they could just pick up without any sort of reference. Well, that makes sense. And I never noticed that. I mean, we watch I watch these scenes a couple times to talk to you about this. I never noticed that in watching it. So that that's pretty innocuous as far as them and and probably like you said made it easier for them that 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 isn't a huge deal to me hmm. um we were saying earlier about you know the, the the whole rear projection uh system for filming um um the stop motion and uh, we were talking about the graininess there of uh, some of the images and that was because in in some of the shots uh the projection screen the little mini projection screen that was there it wasn't more than eight by 12 inches so that's a tiny little screen that they're projecting, uh, you know, uh, uh, film onto. I, I still cannot believe that. I cannot believe that's what I'm looking at when I'm watching this and I guess other movies. Like this mm. was this was a widely used technique, I assume. Yeah, it's widely used because it is so simple. As I was saying earlier, it, it is very simple to do. You, you, you just need a table, uh, a, a stop motion rig, a screen, a projector behind it, a cameraman and an animator and, and off you go. It just blows me away that that and and I mean, we're making fun of Verhoeven, but if this is used in other movies, that's it's not just him. Then Mm -hmm. the the knowing today, the way that people, you know, especially with computers, it's it's different now. People can pour over every second of the movie. There had to have been directors that weren't happy. Maybe it's why things exist today, because they weren't happy with the way it looked that, that saw that and were disappointed or unhappy with. The picture quality, because it, it's it is it's like you use the word grainy. It's very grainy and it's very distracting. So there has to be people that were like this. We got to come up with something different mm. because this it may be easy, but it looks like crap. Mm. Certainly does. And it's and again, what I was saying, you, you know, just then, I, I, it staggers belief that this was being done on such a you, you know lauded. Big blockbuster, massively advertised, you know, film of the year, action blockbuster of the year. And yet they it seemed they were skimping quite a bit on 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 the effects. 
skimping. But it's an effects film. Right. It's an effects film, so why are you skimping on the effects? Yeah, it's not It's not like this is like a, a great screenplay where you're pouring over the dialogue. You're watching this to see the effects. You're, you're right. This is a special effects movie. So why not dedicate your your time to making that work? That yeah. that does that blows me away. This this um whatever you want to call this, this filming of the film, does that happen in Star Wars at all that you know? Um, that's a very good question. Because that's what like I'm going to have to think about that. Where we were obviously young people when Star Wars came out, and I even as a as a young person could tell the difference between Star Wars and other things. There was there was like a quality level off the bat that those guys came up with that was game changing and it, it changed the way movies were made and all that kind of stuff. I'm curious to to know that if this technique was used, it was used in Star Wars and those guys were happy with it because yeah. they they seemed like nothing was gonna go on that screen except for the highest quality work for yeah. the time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a shitty process. I really don't think so at all. I think it's it's down to, you know, the time factor, money factor, and well, I was. I can't even say talent factor because it's Phil Tippett. You know, I'll look into it, and if 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 that is the case, I'll I'll be putting it up on the Facebook page. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't don't uh, go out of your way on my account, but I'm curious because I'm just now learning of this in 2017 that this was even a technique i didn't know that that's what they were doing is this was this in place of green screen and did green screen replace this i, I again we keep saying time and i think it is time because if we um you know we were saying about ray harryhausen earlier that the ray harryhausen way which is when you separately film you know a stop motion creation and then you have to um composite it into the live action footage that is time consuming it's time consuming because you're animating the model you've also got to make sure that you're lighting the model to match the live action footage when you're filming the live action footage you've got to think about where that model is going to be in the scene and make sure there's nothing you know that's going to be obscured when you do put the model into the scene and when you compose the two together so it is much more time consuming and i'm i'm thinking that that they they just didn't have much money they didn't have much time and they were told to get on with it and uh you know maybe i um you you've taught me a lot on this episode <laughs> um and now that i'm thinking about it and this is just coming up in my mind um you know the movie hugo Yes. Who is that about? I know that's about a real filmmaker. Yeah, that's a guy called Georges Méliès. Méliès, right. That's yeah. the kind of stuff. When is Hugo supposed to take place? Like in the 30s? Yeah, no, it's in the late the 1920s. The 20s. Uh, yeah, I think it's just after the Second World War. Okay. Um, Georges Méliès is is rightly, you know, regarded as a um, you know, ju ju just a pioneer in uh in not only uh, uh special effects but also filmmaking in general he 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 started life as a like a stage magician in in france um and um and then he went into theater and where we would do these very lavish fantasy uh shows then film came around and he was fascinated by that that he could actually film his you know magic acts and um 
very quickly over a very very short period of time he came up with an awful lot of uh, special effects techniques that uh, people were using right up to the cgi age exactly you know? that's that's what i was thinking now i mean because this guy was groundbreaking obviously mm-hmm. and i don't know enough about the history of this stuff far less than you do um but in in watching hugo which i think is a an amazing movie um mm-hmm. and learning about him in that movie this reminds me of this like he was filming actors in front of film and doing special effects and kind of superimposing them over film in the 20s and that was still going on in 1986 when this was filmed no it's it's more amazing than that in the 20s he had retired okay and he ran a little magic shop believe it or not after everything that he had done he um he retired and he he ran a little uh magic shop in a train station in paris like he did in the movie just like that yeah that is incredibly accurate that but his heyday was in the victorian era you know in the very late 1890s was when and then through 1901 1902 around that time this was when he was doing a trip to the moon and and these landmark special effects films but he wasn't using this technique that we're talking about today that came around in like the 1920s um king kong was one of the very first uh, films that actually used it for live action you know he might have actually thinking about it he might have dabbled with it for miniature work I, again i'll have to look into that but uh, yeah no i mean he was an absolute genius and he was doing the, the these sorts of things um, you know when at the very very birth of cinema it's amazing and i don't mean to derail the robocop episode with uh george millier but uh wow that 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 just occurred to me as we're talking about this mm-hmm. no huh. no I, th- I, I thank you for it dave because um here we are talking about dick jones's uh silly puppet and now we're talking about george millier so thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome you know, we were talking about, you know, the Dick Jones puppet and why why was this done this way? And you were saying maybe it was Paul Verhoeven wanting to stamp his authority on it and, you know, not taking any uh, any sort of like, you know, criticism. Um, I think that's true because um, that there was a shot where uh, he wanted Ed 209 to come right towards the camera and then step over the lens. OK, uh, a stop motion one actually step over the over the over the camera um and you know somebody who's not got a special effects background or a technical background would say something like that without giving any thought to can this actually be done right okay now if you think about it if you've got a stop motion uh model walking towards the camera and then steps over the camera where is it going to step to because it's going to step on the camera you know right and how small would that camera have to be and uh, yeah there's so many like like for him to put that kind of like this uh, this has to be in there the crew must have been rolling their eyes every time this guy opened his mouth yeah but they did it to their credit they did it and and how they did it as eto 09 is coming towards the camera and his foot comes up to step over they as the as the uh leg came towards the camera stepped over the lens and started coming down onto the camera they actually started disassembling uh the leg so they would take the toe off then they would take the foot off then they would take the ankle off so as he's stepping over they're actually taking the model apart frame by frame you know to get it to, to work and I wonder after them doing all that, what what his what he said, like, was he like, yeah, now my film's perfect <laughs> because I have that in it. 
give me a break. I don't even remember that shot. Like, that's how unimportant that is. He, he wants to spend his time working on that, but ignore the arms on that puppet. Like, really, get your priorities straight, sir. Like, really, what's the – is does he have some kind of, like, infatuation with, like, filming things between their legs? Like, is Ed 209 also not wearing panties? I'll have to go. I've got it on Blu-ray. I'll have to go back and have a look. All right. Is no. Michael Michael Douglas and, and Wayne Knight just off scene <laughs> while Ed 209 is st- stepping over the camera? What a jerk. Yeah. You, you. I mean, what you're saying there, it could be that, you know, by him demanding that they do this scene and it's like, oh, boy, you know, we've got to do this. They think it up. They do it to their credit. But then that could have taken up valuable time that they needed to do the other things and that could have had a knock-on effect further down the line that when it came to do the dick jones thing that's all they could come up with because they've been wasting their time as you say on a scene that nobody ever really thinks of i think i think that you totally hit it on the head there like we have six weeks to finish you know post-production on this or whatever we're going to spend a week on this one shot of it stepping over the camera and not have that much time later to do other things that are going to be glaringly, um, obscenely. What was the word you used? I don't know. I can think of many words. For it. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a great word. The the it just the, the just summed up how god awful this is. Yeah, that, that's that's bad directing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. The sounds of Ed 209, uh, they, they, they were created uh, by some guys called Stephen Flick and John Popissel. I feel bad I for anybody's name, anybody, anybody whose name you mention, I feel bad for them. <laughs> and I'm going to name the company as well, Screaming Lizard, uh, which was a set uh, Los Angeles sound effects house. Uh, they came up with all the walking movements, the background motor noises and stuff like that. And they also um, gave that uh, the animal growl. And that was their decision or Dutch boys oh, yeah. decision? Dutch boys. It, see, we might be giving him a hard time. It might be in the script. You know, it could have been in the script that, you know, Ed 209 steps forward and growls menacingly, you know. All right. I'm I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because uh, I'm trying to think of any movies that I like of his. No, 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 none of them. No, no. I mean, I don't like any of his films. I think he's awful. But uh, if you're willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, you're the host of the show, and I will I will kowtow to your kindness. Well, the only two films of him, his that well, there's three uh, that I I will watch. Uh, you know, this one and Starship Troopers, but for the special effects. You know, just because it's science fiction and there are special effects mm. and flesh and blood, uh, because it's a medieval story. And I've got an interest in medieval history. And that is very uh, grim and dark and gritty and, and horrible. And that's how it was in medieval times. You know, right. no uh, total recall for you. Oh, absolutely not. No, I can't stand total recall. I, I, I know there's something in total recall that you've got a bit of a soft spot for. What's that? Uh, a certain lady oh yeah yeah but that movie's awful i'm with you <laughs> i can't watch that i know people like friends my age like that was about when we were able to start seeing r-rated movies mm-hmm. and that came out and my friends were like we're gonna go see total recall and we saw it and they were like yeah and i was like no 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 absolutely, absolutely awful no uh basic instinct i i <laughs> 
I've got a problem with Michael Douglas. I've always had a problem with Michael Douglas. Really? So you, yeah, no, I, I, I just, uh, my, 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 uh, dissatisfaction with Michael Douglas, uh, all stems from Romance in the Stone. Really? It, it all came from there. I just saw that as some cheap Indiana Jones, uh, knockoff and i was hugely offended by it and <laughs> and i don't know there's just something about it. It, it it's just something about the way he acts i don't know what it is i'm a massive fan of his dad right and sometimes as, as he's got older as well some of his vocal inflections really remind me it, it's like he's trying to act like his dad yeah know? he he sounds and is starting to actually look like him now mm, i didn't mind him in ant-man i must say that though i'm i, I didn't mind him in ant-man at all well, you and I differ there because I am yeah. a huge Michael Douglas fan, and I love *Romancing the Stone*. No, really? Yes. But but you're an Indiana Indiana Jones fan. Yeah, and I know there's some similarities where you know he's this adventurer in the jungle and stuff. But I I uh, I think it stops there because it's really she's the main character, and mm. and I like the fact. I mean, his job really he's not even an adventurer; he's a bird smuggler. Mm. So like it, it, he is he is never really serious in that movie and really only kind of a scoundrel. He's more like Han Solo than uh, Indiana Jones in those movies to me. The, the second one's awful. But uh, I love Michael Douglas. I think he's awesome. No, I, I just never find him convincing in, in anything. Um, you know, hard rain, all these things. No, um, no, not for me. Not for me. What about um, uh, Basic Instinct? It's awful. It's... <laughs> That he he made a, a, a living for a while making erotic thrillers. Between that and Fatal Attraction, he was in another one with the it was called Disclosure. Demi Moore, yep. like yep. he ended up making all these movies, and I don't buy him in those roles. Right. Uh, Basic Instinct is really only known and popular because of how far it pushed the the erotic nature mm. of movies um is that what verhoven was going for i don't know like was he just a horny dude i don't i don't i don't get that at all i never understood basic instinct it is a an awful awful movie yeah but well, i remember I, I, when it was out i mean it was it was out for a long time i i showed that movie a lot yeah 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 Okay. All right. Shall we get back to? <laughs> let's try and get back on track. Sure. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah, the noise, the the, the noises of Ed Two Hundred Nine. Um, yeah, uh, you said earlier MGM line. It's not. It's a. It, it's a black leopard. Oh my god. <laughs> I get. It's it's just unbelievable. That it 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 take like if they were going for a futuristic thing, which I think they did pretty well. It was almost like a almost dystopian future mm. when i when you hear that i mean i'm sure it's supposed to sound intimidating it just sounds stupid it takes you out of the future mm. aspect of it mm. yeah and and finally we're, we're, we're getting near the end here now dave um uh his voice ed 209's voice okay it, it it's actually the voice of an executive producer called john davison Okay, and and the the reason he sounds like he does is he's an executive producer. He's not an actor, and he he read the lines they were recorded, but that was only meant to be a temp track. Right. 
um, and they that they, they they changed it, they filtered it, they distorted it to make it sound more robotic. Um, and it was never meant to go in; it was just a temp track. But apparently, somebody at Orion forgot, and it went out like that. Yeah, how does that even happen? Like, I don't understand the way to me, film making a film has got to be like making a recipe like these are this is our checklist. This is what we're doing. People are going to go over this over and over again. I know there's film flubs, but that's a pretty major one. That's the voice of your of your almost like your villain's henchman. Hmm. Like Ed 209 is the henchman of the villain. And that's his voice. How many people saw this movie before it went out and nobody noticed that that wasn't supposed to be the voice? It doesn't bother me. It's a, it's fine. I really there's so many other things to nitpick about this movie. That voice doesn't bother me at all. Hmm. But do you think it, it, it I, I've got a feeling after everything we've been talking about here, I've got a real feeling that at Orion, when they were showing, um, you know, all, all the footage and that and the rough cuts and stuff, I reckon there was a real feeling of that will do. Probably that's probably that was probably their motto that mm. that'll do. It's like babe, yeah. that it's like babe. That'll do. That'll do. You're right. That'll do pig. Right. Like, Sorry, like, black black leopard. That'll do black leopard. <laughs> that'll do Ed. Um, <laughs> just gotta like we just gotta churn this sucker out. Like that's what that's what it seems like they were all about. Who yeah. can we get? We want this guy. We want this guy. Well, we can settle for Peter Weller. Throw him in yeah. a suit. Who gives a crap? You're not even going to see his face. He just has to have nice lips. <laughs> like, really, that, that'll that do is a, is a good summary of this movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good, and that's a good place to uh, turn to the ratings then. So I need two ratings out of you f- today, Dave. Uh, Ed 209 and then Dick Jones, please. All right. Ed 209... Really, I think for all that we've been complaining about it, you know, the, the sound effects and, and some of the other stuff, it's it's not the worst thing in the movie. I'll say that. So uh, I and, and I can see how this could be intimidating. There's a lot of limitations. But that scene where it blows away. What's his name again? The guy that it kills. Mr. Kinney. Mr. Kinney. I, I mean, as as gratuitous as that scene is. It makes me smile. Like it's so, it's so ridiculous. It makes me smile, and he's part of that. So I'm not gonna bury Ed Two O Nine. I'm gonna give it a three out of ten. Okay. As um, go on. Are, are, are we doing both now? Or are you doing your? No, Ed no. I'll, I'll give you mine, and then we'll move on to. Uh, yeah. To, ri- um, to Richard Jones. Richard Jones. Yes. Um. Yeah. I I I like the full size one. I I think you know that's uh, been accomplished very well. Um, um, and then we got the stop motion one, and I, I think it just suffers from you know poor photography, um, and compositing. So um, adding the two together, I'm going to be a little bit generous than you, um, and give it a four. Okay. Yeah. Which gives us an average of three and a half. Alrighty. Okay. Now. It's- and now, can we? Uh, you ready for some dick? Uh. <laughs> I was going to say that. All right, go on then. (laughs) All right. This is one of those things. This is borderline. This is bordering on the room for me where like I know the room is the worst movie ever made, but I will watch it every day. This scene, this shot, this effect is one of the worst I've ever seen in any movie ever. And I'm and I mean, my son and I used to make stop motion 
movies with his action figures when he was four, I think ours are yeah, about as good. But I mean, so I'm like, boy, I'm like kind of thinking like if, if I'm going for enjoyment factor, I'll give us a 10 out of 10. But I can't do that because that's not the nature of your show. Your show is about special effects, and I'm going to honor the nature of your show and say that this is the worst thing I think you could have possibly talked about on any of your shows or ever will. And I'm going to give this a 1 out of a 10 and say the moral of this entire episode is just watch Hugo instead. And you'll be you'll have a nice day. Okay. Right. Um, I've seen effects as bad as this, but I've seen effects as bad as this um, in B-movies from the 40s and 50s, where they literally had no budget, and they were for films that were not action blockbusters and meant to be, you know, the tentpole film of the year. Um, so they don't have, you, 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 they don't have to rely on any justification they were a product of their time made with very little money even the you know plan nines from outer space even you know a flying hubcap um um on set on fire in plan nine from outer space i don't have a problem with as much as this so for that reason i'm going to give it a one as well and i will say uh if you want a good day Go and watch uh, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and see some decent stop motion uh, work done fantastically well. <laughs> so, so your your bottom line for this whole episode is just watch other movies, see something else, just see <laughs> see something else. Whatever you pick, just just throw just you know any anything that you pick, you're gonna be okay. Yep. Well, that's yep. that's high. That that means a lot coming from you. That this also gets one. And I understand why you say that because those other things had budgetary constraints and all that kind of thing. This thing was really trying and this is what mm. they came up with. Yeah. There is no excuse for it. There is absolutely no excuse for it. You know? <laughs> so that's us done, Dave. Yeah. And that's and and is that the lowest score ever? This is it. This is the lowest score. I was just about to say next week's episode is episode twenty five. And to commemorate it, what I'm gonna be doing on, on Facebook is I'm gonna be putting up over over that week, you know, uh, just little studies of, you know, which has been the most uh, featured decade so far, what type of subject and et cetera, et cetera. And you have quite a high distinction of featuring as a reviewer that gave one of the highest ratings um, and also the absolute lowest. So you're at the top of the list and you're at the bottom of the list. Well, I'm honored to be in both places. It's either a feast or famine with me. And I'm honored that I was a, a part of uh, a red letter date in your show's history with the worst thing that you've possibly discussed so far. So I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for saying so, sir. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Very, okay. mu- very much so. I, I, I enjoy your show. Enjoy uh, you know, having gotten to know you over the, the years now and uh, anytime you want me on, I'm here. Sure thing. I, I, I'll be in touch. Um, thanks, everyone. Go over to Facebook. I'm going to do some research into what Dave was suggesting there. Was there this form of uh, rear projection work in Star Wars? If I find anything, I'll put it up on Facebook. God forbid I'll also be putting pictures of Dick Jones's puppet up there. And I will endeavor to see if Ed, Ed 209 was wearing any knickers. <laughs>
Okay, so thanks everybody and see you soon. Bye-bye.